my soul will remain restless until it rests in you. These words confessed by St. Augustine have echoed across the centuries and remain a common thread to reverts and converts alike. These are the testimonies of those that have come to rest in the fullness of truth. This is Catholic Recon with your host, Eddie Trask. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon Testimonies from Reverts and Converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. This week's guest is Jacob Robinson, who I just met a few weeks ago through another, um, I think I mentioned this maybe a few months ago, uh, good friend CV. His channel is Reconverted Catholic. You should check it out if you have not. He's been on my channel. Anyway, I met Jacob through CV. And I'm looking forward to hearing his story. Uh, Jacob, before we get started, let's let's begin in prayer, and then we'll we'll hear your journey. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Jacob, take us to the beginning of your journey, if you will. Uh, I know a yeah. lot of people would be interested to hear it. Absolutely. Um, so, I have, in the last few years, gone from being um, what I considered a militant anti-Catholic and even satirically pro-Satanist, um, to being what I consider to be a very traditional uh, Catholic today. And um, I've done a lot of thinking about what exactly it is that had led me here uh, over the last few months. And um, it sounds a little bit corny, but I've come to realize that I was led to the church um, through the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and I will explain further on what I mean by that later on. Um, so. I guess to start, when I go way back, uh, when I was about two years old, my father died in a tragic work accident. Um, and this resulted in a few things for my life. Um, one, my family had a very strong belief in the supernatural, um, lots of belief in ghosts and spirits and the like, um, but nothing very um, like nailed down uh, to a specific belief system. Uh, we were, I was baptized Presbyterian, but um, our mantle was covered in um, other cultures, religious imagery and such. Um, so it was a belief that something existed, but not really sure what. Um, and it also lacked moral teaching and foundation for me um, during that time. So it led to me uh, being arrested a handful of times before I left high school. Um, and that just really challenged my faith and that there was something loving and kind out there that cared about me. Um, by the time I left high school, I was agnostic, uh, but thoroughly anti-Christian at that point. Um, I think largely just from the media I'd consumed most of the time. And then uh, when I went off to college, I ended up actually becoming I would say full on communist and atheist. Um, and I had taken some courses under a uh, professor named Hector Avalos, um, which you may be familiar with the name. Um, his, his mentor was 
uh, FM Cross, who was the lead architect on the Dead Sea Scrolls. And um, so taking his biblical archaeology courses, um, learning about the Bible in, in great detail, but without the necessary context of you know the apostolic tradition or any of you know the the histories that really kind of put it into context um i left college thinking that essentially if you were religious it meant that you were uneducated and a mental rube of sorts and that um you know especially if you were catholic you had had the largest gambit played on you in human history um and so after after I started following a lot of uh, prominent atheists uh, like Hitchens and Dawkins and them, um, I and I had been convinced that the church was the main reason for suffering in the world. Um, I made it my mission to try and take faith from people, and any opportunity I saw that you know someone would reference the supernatural in any way or hope in something greater, um, I would try to find a way to squash it um and um so this i guess led to a i mean so for my entire life i had struggled with depression um i think probably since about the time i was like 11 or 12 is when i had daily suicidal ideation um and being being atheist didn't help it at all. The um, it, it just made me nihilistic. Um, this belief that we come from nothing for nothing and return to nothing. Uh, just my my like my life had so much potentiality, um, but it just lacked any and all meaning. And so my depression grew worse and worse and the suicidal ideation uh, just kept getting worse and worse year after year. And I I tried everything um, from uh, breath work that is meant to release like natural DMT to cognitive behavioral therapy, meditation, yantra, mantra. Um, you know, it's I, if it was out there, I tried to find it and try to give it a serious go to, you know, see like if, if the proof was in the pudding. Um, and of those things, meditation is um, the only one that really proved to have any kind of effect, um, which uh, then I wasn't surprised when I found that it was a cornerstone of Catholic practice as well. It's like, okay, well, this, this makes some sense. Um, so I'd reached a point though, where my my depression and my suicidal ideation um, had gotten to a point where I, I knew that if something didn't happen in the next few years time, um, I would most likely no longer be here. And um, this is all teenage this years. A, this is all in your teenage years. Oh, yeah. So at this point, um, this I'm um, like 30. Oh, and, yeah. So yeah, you did skip yeah, ahead. No, you said yeah. post college. You're right. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, my bad. So, yeah, no, it, um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, when I was, when I was 30, uh, 29, I actually believe, um, I, I had reached a point where I was, I had decided, okay, like, if, if I don't find something, then something's going to happen. And, and strangely, um, 
I like within a few days saw a podcast on Joe Rogan and he was talking about psilocybin mushrooms and how they uh, like treat depression and people who have tried everything and there's like an 80 percent success rate from a single um usage of it and and that just that blew my mind and then um he started also talking about in the same one about this philosopher terence mckenna and and basically how these aren't just neurological fireworks that we're dealing with and that there are there's evidence of higher to hidden realms. And as an atheist who had always sought for there to be something more, I, it just, I was like, Oh man, I have to know more. And, and so I decided that I wasn't sure how I was going to find it. Um, but I was like, you know, maybe foraging in the woods or what. Um, but I was determined that I was going to try to find it. And, um, and I, didn't know anybody since I had moved down to Arizona, um, didn't have any, you know, friends or anything. And even when I had friends back in Iowa, none of them were the type that could have found this for me. Um, and so it was the most just synchronistic thing when a few days after I had made the decision to find it, a coworker who I never really had had money conversations with, um, came up to me a very friendly guy comes up to me and just lets me know like, Hey, if you're ever neat in the need of these, I, I have some, some mushrooms and just came in, just, just had someone bring them to me. And I was just like, what a, what a weird coincidence. And so I ended up, um, getting them from him and I sat on it for a few weeks, uh, researching the effects and the risks and looking at the health profile and just trying to screw my courage to a sticking point really. Um, and then, uh, I ended up deciding to take what's known as a heroic dose, um, or shamanic dose. And essentially it was five drag grams. Um, and it's just a fairly terrifying amount. Um, and when I took it, I, I sat there for about an hour and a half and then I could feel it coming on and it felt a lot more than I was expecting. And, uh, I was terrified the whole time, just like almost like shaking from how nervous I was. And, and then as it started to come on, I had this weird feeling as though there was like a, a woman in the room. And I don't know how to explain why I thought that, but it just had that feeling. And then, I, I, from listening to Terrence McKenna talk about how he would approach it, I decided to say, show me, um, once I could feel it. And right when I said that, I felt as though I was being pulled like a few feet off of my bed by my forehead and every cell in my body was vibrating. I mean, like, like it felt as though I had stuck my hand into something where I was being like electrocuted, but there was no pain. It was just literally every cell in my body was just rapidly vibrating um to the point it was you know very scary and uncomfortable um and so i'm i'm sitting there like suspended and i i say um be gentle and right as i say be gentle the feeling of my forehead releases all of the vibration in my body completely stops and just like in an instant the whole thing stops 
And I'm flooded with all of these feelings and memories of all the horrible things I've done to people, all of the evil I've, I've committed, all of the, you know, hate that I've spread against, you know, just everyone and myself. And, and I'm sitting there just weeping and just feeling so ashamed. And I didn't even believe in a God at this time, but I, I just felt so ashamed to have lived a life that way. Um, and then the rest of the night, I just sat there trying to think of people that I couldn't stand, like people that just rubbed me the wrong way in life. And the only thing I could think when I would think of them was this overwhelming love. It was just like like so much love for them. It just makes you want to cry, but, you know, and it'd be people that it was like before that, if you'd brought them up, I'd been you know, like all that, you know. And now all I could feel was this just overwhelming love. And, and then it was followed by this, this feeling like, and the, the only way I can describe it is like the feeling of like an unmovable, unconditional love of a father. I just felt like I was like wrapped in arms and, and the only other time I've had that feeling is when I'm sitting in mass and I'm on my knees and I'm like really giving it up. If I have something that I'm really struggling with and I'm, and I'm just handing it over to Christ in mass, like I'll, I'll get that feeling of, you know, like, but yeah, other than, other than that night, it was the first time I had, you know, really, um, experienced that, that I can remember. Um, and so you know, it's, uh, it's funny to me because when I read um, Psalm 51 and I read David's confession and, you know, him, you know, confessing to God of all the horrible things he's done, it just kind of reminds me of that night. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm <laughs> trying to process. I'm trying to process that. So after that day, what did you you said at that point, you know, you're feeling this this love and you're still confused, I guess, about everything that you believe. Mm -hmm. Did you, it wasn't a quick jump into the Catholic church, I'm assuming, or was it? No, it took, took about three years um, after that for me to come around to the Catholic church. <laughs> and, um, and actually, even when I did come to the Catholic church, it wasn't even um, as a believing Christian. It um, was actually as a Gnostic who saw more truth in Catholicism than society at large. Um, so yeah, detail those three years then between that experience. I'm sure that's what you were going to do, but between, yeah. you know, when you had that experience and then joining the Catholic faith, that's, that's fascinating. A lot of Gnosticism in there you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, so basically after my experience, I, I needed to know more about the nature of being and consciousness and reality. And, and so I really started digging into shamanism and philosophers like Terrence McKenna and um, just the different works that have been done with the mind and really tried to gain an understanding of what it is that I had experienced. Um, and I, I come, came to find that uh, people know very little but think a lot um there's there's a lot of 
thought out there that's like this is what's going on um when yeah no it's i i think people ascribe a lot of like personal wants and desires to um the the experience and um yeah there's a lot of things like weird things like channeling and stuff that um it yeah it gets a little bit out there uh, when you start digging into the community but um so so the next three years I had spent um, looking into things uh, like consciousness and whatnot, um, but I also started studying Taoism a lot. And uh, Alan Watts and Jiddu Krishnamurti and these type of people. And I was really trying to get because I would, I would have these experiences, and then I would. And when I would be having these experiences, I would realize that I am capable of like immense amounts of patience and capable of just looking at my actions and doing an examination of conscience like never before. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't keep it. And no matter how hard I tried, I could never will it into existence the next day where I would have that level of patience and that sense of peace of mind and stillness in the mind. And, and so I started looking into things like Buddhism and Taoism and uh, reading the works of um, different Zen masters like the Diamond Sutra and um, the Tao Te Ching and and I, I really came to what I felt like were some important understandings um, about the nature of my suffering and that um, you know, my my attachment to worldly things and my desires and um, that those were, you know, fueling my suffering. But it still uh, it left me incomplete. Um, and then I started studying i started listening to these uh biblical series by al or now jordan peterson um and listening to and having at this point feel like i have a very good understanding of what taoism is and what a lot of the natural truths of reality are um listening to jordan peterson explain that they are all encased in the first three chapters of genesis was i mean it that was the start of me looking at the catholic church as a community that i can find truth and sanity in let me ask um, you this then so yeah. this is just a few years ago because jordan peterson's videos about the bible they're not too old from what i remember yeah I yep so this is series but 2019 yeah. is when i had my um like initial experience and then uh it was probably about 2021 that i had started looking into that i started um seeing like the biblical series got it got it um so he's talking about the the book of genesis focusing in on that and you're saying that's kind of the beginning towards catholicism where were you already thinking that if the bible is true then the catholic faith is true or were you at that point just saying if the bible is true i've got to figure out the christian way what what is the christian way within that so it was more of like like i i thought that this ancient book had within it um incredible wisdom that largely was 
unnoticed and unseen by the the holders of the wisdom got it um and you know and at this point i i had not read um any of the works of the the church fathers and or you know people like john paul ii and and you know now <laughs> now the idea that the catholic church has a bunch of you know uneducated fools in it you know is you know preposterous you know thomas aquinas alone i've, I've heard has you know doctorate programs taught on his works um so um I'm trying to remember where I was going with that. No, no worries. I may have tripped you up. Um, no, no worries. Yeah, I think. Okay, so you go back to that Bible series, and Genesis is it has all the truth in the first three chapters, right? Yeah. Was it something related to that? Yep. Yep. So, so when I when I had started, um, when I started watching these biblical series, it really started clicking things for me that um, at, at that time, I didn't think that I was ever going to be Catholic by any means um, or believe in Christ. But I started to notice that people who believe in Christ are, are more sensible, more logical, more rational than the people in, in large in society who don't. Um, and that they, they at least hold in their practice truths that um, I have come to understand and and whereas in you know society at large can't tell you you know what a, what a woman is um, so um, yeah and then that that led me to eventually um, going and checking out um, this book that was about it's called the immortality key um, and it's basically a book about the origins of the Eleusinian mysteries, um, being, uh, related to an ergotized beer. So, um, essentially, uh, uh, LSD like brew, um, that they would consume before their philosophizing. And then the second half of the book focused on how, um, Dioscorides in the region at Jesus's ministry took place shortly before it took place was um, very well known for his drugged wines and that there's reasonable evidence that those wines were used in religious practice in the area um, well into the first and second century um, and having the experiences I'd had, I was, when I read that, I was like, oh, well, Catholics just don't know, but the, the real Eucharist is the mushroom and this drugged wine. And they, they just got it all wrong. Like, like they're, they, I mean, they're, they're on the right track because they're doing things right, but they just don't know that their Eucharist isn't the real deal. Yeah. So that of everything that's been surprising to me in this whole entire process, um, this last, I think it was about February, January, February, when I came to to understand that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity on the altar. And that was probably the, the biggest eye-opening thing ever. Um, but the belief that it wasn't led me to the Catholic Church initially. So I was you know, kind of 
paradoxical. <laughs> Crazy. So you came to understand the Eucharist as best as you can, as best as any of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, in January, February of this year. Yeah. So you just yeah. entered the church vigil mass, or where? Yeah, when... just this vigil mass, April eighth. Wow. So yeah, baby Catholic. <laughs> well, welcome. I I didn't re- I didn't realize how recent it was. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> Over this period, a lot of those, um, how would you describe, I guess, the sloughing off of the Gnosticism as you're coming into the church? Was there yeah. a, a pretty distinct process or did you just wake up one day and like, well, that's gone? So, so um, it, it came about in a series of stages. Um, and when I came in, when I actually came into the church, at that point, I was almost like agnostic about my Gnosticism. It was, it was like I, I had started to wean on it. Um, I had so before coming into the church a few years ago, I had suffered a terrible injury, and it turned out to be something really simple, but it went undiagnosed for about two years. And it was, it was just an inguinal hernia, um, but it made it so that way I couldn't sit or stand without being in excruciating pain or lay down rather um, without being excruciating pain for, for a couple of years. Um, I had devised this contraption to like, uh, my wife has a yoga swing. I devised some contraption with it with pillows to make it so I could like sleep while standing. And it was, it was brutal. Um, and at one point I was sitting um, I was standing just alone in this dark space because just that's all I could do sometimes. And, and my, the ends of my toes, I, I still can't really feel them because of how long I was standing. Um, but th- the feeling went out in the ends of my toes and I just like gave into the pain and in in, in giving into it, I had this experience in which I almost felt like I was being touched by something and, and being comforted, but it was this like accepting that this will be my life forever will be just this endless constant pain. Um, and at this time I was so hard to be around because of you know, just endlessly in pain. I was just miserable to be around. And so um, so in that, at, at that time, I just felt like I didn't really have anybody and my, my wife was doing everything she could to be there for me, but you know, it was, I, I didn't make it easy. Um, and in that moment of like accepting my fate, I, I felt like I wasn't alone. I felt like, like God was there with me and that was the the first of me like really starting to consider the the existence of god the father um you know the idea that christ i mean because at this point i didn't even actually believe that christ existed as a historical figure um yeah so when i went through schooling um one of the parts that hector avalos would teach was um, basically sowing doubt over the existence of Christ in total. And so um, when I when I started first coming to the church back, it was last October, um, I started, I downloaded this hollow app and 
started doing some of the guided meditations and I've done all sorts of guided meditations and done just meditation by myself for years now. And, um, I was sitting there and it was talking about forgiveness and, um, it was going through it. And when I was doing the meditation, I felt this just almost like a, like a warmth on my back and, and I, I just started crying and I felt, I, don't know, I just felt so much more like secure. And, um, and after that, I was like, okay, well, I'm definitely going to need to keep going back to St. Andrews and see what's, see what's going on there. Cause yeah. And, um, then December, December 1st, uh, also November 30th comes around and I decide, you know what, I want to join the church. I've been going to mass for a few months now and I, I think this is something that I want to do. And so I go and I meet with uh, Kim and Deacon Ramsey over at St. Andrews, beautiful people. Um, and they're so much more like welcoming and inviting than like <laughs> almost anyone I'd met in the last 20 years. And that in itself was, was, you know, really inviting for me to come back. But then the, very next day on December 1st, I was laid off from my job a few years and, um, having a wife and two kids, it was a, you know, a scary moment. Um, but I had my first day of RCIA the very next day. And just with all the synchronistic events that have happened in my life up to this point, I was like, you know what, I think I'm just going to consider the lilies. I'm going to enjoy my severance and use this as a time to try to find God. And, um, so then I, uh, continued coming to mass on the weekends. And then, uh, December 18th, I went to that Sunday mass and I had the idea, like, you know, I have, I have a small amount of mushrooms left and I'm, you know, maybe I'll put it to the test and then, you know, this is all I have and I can be done with it. And so I went to mass Monday, the 19th. Um, when I got home, I, I took it. And this time I had an experience where I was sitting in front of this giant crucifix that was emanating out and it was almost like vibrating and waves out. And it was so tall. I couldn't see the top of it. It was just this giant, powerful cross and, it just like filled me with this feeling of strength. And then once that went away, uh, I saw a figure that appeared that to me looked like Christ and he was up above and he was extending his arms down to this man and woman. And it all looked, looked very much like a Renaissance painting. And, and then it all faded away. And like in total, it was only like two minutes of, of me seeing anything. Um, and then I just sat in meditation of the whole thing the rest of the time. Um, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to start going to mass daily. Like, I think that, I think this was a, you know, and funny thing was I was listening to a song called Signum Magnum, which I at the time didn't realize stood for a great sign. Um, but I had taken it as a great sign and, I um, started going to mass every morning and wow, that was the, you know, my, my 
my work schedule actually just changed not a great schedule it's 9 30 to 6 p.m but it allows me now again to go back to morning mass so that's it's really nice because i'm telling you being able to spend that time uh every day in church and then be able to you know i almost felt like every single day the homilies were geared towards something that i needed to hear and you know, as slowly as I was going to mass, I started reading the church fathers and um, really, you know, just digging deeper into everything. And eventually I came to the realization and how it took me this long in my life to realize, I realized that, that the apostles all but one died brutal deaths in which they were tortured unto death. And this whole time I had lived a life believing that these people had essentially lived fat lives of kings and that they were using this as a political tool to, to rule over subjects. And in, in, instead, the argument that was really being made is that you had these men who were willing to make something up that they knew was false so that way they could live lives of extreme you know poverty and scarcity and constantly running from people being attacked and having to hide and to eventually be tortured and killed and it's like i mean a con man or two maybe but by the time you get to the fifth one being killed he's you know he's gonna know what the deal is you know the idea that the 11th one is willing to be put to death for a lie to me requires greater explanation than you know anything else i you know when i when i found that out i was after everything else i'd already experienced it told me that 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 what they believed about the eucharist was true wow. and that you know i had i had no reason to to assume otherwise now where did you learn the opposite that's i didn't get that part so <laughs> what you thought about these men who would have taught that or did you just fashion that on your own in order to deny the faith somehow subconsciously do you know yeah i think i think it was probably um something that i fashioned myself uh over time as a way of like making it make sense um you know and and i don't think that helped that uh, when i was in college and i was taking those biblical archaeology courses um one of the premises that avalos would end on is that the uh book of kings all of the different kings leading up to um i believe it's josiah is the final uh king um was essentially written by the scribe of the final king and that the entire genealogy including king david didn't exist um and and so yeah i i think i may have taken that assumption of you know things were created for political purposes and impose it onto it. other things yeah wow so the other the other question relates to i guess the welcoming that you that you received you named two people a deacon and um a lay woman mm -hmm. um can you speak to that just in general beyond those two but hopefully representing 
more of the church as being truly, when we talk about welcoming, you know, what does that really mean? Can you speak to that and and maybe the reception that that you found there? I'm not expecting it's perfect, but yeah, uh, if you can ad- address that a little bit further, that'd be great. No, absolutely. I mean, honestly, uh, since coming into the church, I I've met what, to my mind, are the most beautiful people that that I've I've ever met. I mean, the not only um, are several of the lay people that I've gotten to know um, been just you know, very welcoming and friendly. Um, but the deacons and the priests at St. Andrews are all very holy men and they, you can, you can feel their love for you. Um, the head pastor, Father Taylor, um, you know, I told him my son's name one time and he, every single time he sees us, you know, he's asking me, you know, my son is doing and shaking my hand and, um, you know, there's a, a sense of real family and community, um, that, that I didn't really experience before. And, and I used to think that there was this problem with, um, Catholics being holier than thou, because it was this whole, you know, you should be living your life this way. Well, it's not holier than thou it's it's no i'm trying to be holy and i'm advising you should live this way because that's what god wants and that's what would be good for you and you know so it it's just it's a profound love to be able to tell someone something that they you know they probably won't want to hear but that they need to hear very good very good um what about the you know, family is the family. Did the family uh, rally around you? That must have been a surprising. So, if I get into the shoes of, I guess, any family member, and I and I see I've been observing you, let's say through your twenties and into your thirties, and then all of a sudden you say, "I'm in a program called RCIA." Like, <laughs> was was there anyone that commented on that? Was it difficult? Yeah. yeah. So. Um... So I, I, I'm not very close to a whole lot of family outside of my house. Um, and the, the bit of family that I am outside of my home, they, they were all kind of like, what's going on here? Like, I think he might've lost his mind. Um, but, um, people in my house, my wife and kids, they, they've been, um, they've been very, very happy for me just because I have had a greater sense of peace and just fulfillment and you know they can they can tell that it's um doing something for me um however definitely went a lot like like when i first started coming to mass um you know my my wife anticipated it to be like where i am kind of lukewarm and i'm going you know for the sense of community and you know it's just kind of you know, that sort of thing. Um, she definitely wasn't expecting me to, um, you know, become as devoted as I have. And, um, I consider myself, uh, very devoted to the Catholic faith now. So my, yeah, my, uh, my kids, they like to give me a hard time about certain things. Um, you know, and I'll do things like make them say the rosary before they can get screens and things like that. And they're, they're, they're willing to go along with it. Um, they're not, uh, my wife is Catholic, but, 
um she's she's not uh like a very like strong believer but she does have a catholic faith that she's building in um and then my oldest son he's 15 and is um i don't think he sees the necessity for it yet um so my mission right now is trying to i guess like bear witness yep. for him that it's that it is needed um and then my youngest he's nine and he's uh he's a little philosopher in the making that one he loves all of the deep theological conversations and whatnot and wow. i expect him to i expect him to join the catholic faith for the next few years that's incredible um i want to ask you before you go um two things to highlight maybe a favorite prayer of yours for those that are listening. And then also uh, the advice to um, maybe a nihilist, atheist, Gnostic, just if you can, they, many of them would be upset. Don't group us together. Well, I'm grouping you together for the, for the sake of this. If you could give any, that group of people, some advice, if you could do those two things, that would be great. Yeah. um, I find the, a litany of humility to be uh, a really good one uh, and the prayer of abandonment um, both are very helpful and then uh, something I would say to the agnostic and atheist community is that the understanding of the Catholic faith being the truth um, that that doesn't require faith uh, i mean you can understand the truth of catholicism just through a proper understanding of reality and of what's happened and i mean to me the shroud of turin is all the physical evidence we need of the resurrection i mean to to say that it is anything other than evidence um would require a much greater explanation than than the explanation given that it is evidence. So, um, you know, I I think that it's it's evident of its truth in the fact that living it um, makes things better. To to live as though the Catholic faith is right. To do things like examination of conscience, and and confession, and you know, like everything that comes with it, and to live as though God is real produces a better life for you and to me that's evidence in itself that it's true because in no other place do i see you know living a lie and illusion to you know produce beneficial results long term well said well said thank you so much jacob i really appreciate that that story i can't believe it was so recent i thought we were going back to like 2016 uh, which is good. I'm glad. I love being surprised like that. So again, thank you. God bless you and your family and your community. Um, I will be praying for all of you and I ask all the listeners to do the same. And until next time, everyone take care and God bless. Bye. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Catholic Recon. Please feel free to leave a comment and remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen. To find out more about Eddie Trask, go to www.eddytrask.com. May God bless you.